Team Awesome is back! That's right, Team Awesome is back in time for another episode of Tangle Talk. Welcome, welcome everyone. This is our very last podcast for this first bomb of season three. I say first bomb not knowing what they have in store for us, but assuming that the <laughs> other half will also be released in bomb format. But I don't oh. know. It's just my assumption. So, first bomb. And... Boy, are we thankful that this is our last podcast for this bomb because it's not that we don't talk, don't love talking about Tangled. Obviously, we do, or we wouldn't have this podcast in the first place. <laughs> but this bomb format sucks. Yeah, it's awful, and we're exhausted. And mm-hmm. we love you guys, and we appreciate you sticking with us and like encouraging us and giving us feedback. And we love all of that because otherwise, it'd be like, why would we do this? Mm-hmm. We've done this five times in two weeks. <laughs> this is crazy so because of that five times in two weeks we're also going to be at a brief hiatus we don't know exactly how long it's going to be we don't know exactly when we're going to start up again but we need a breather so we're taking it so before we get into the episode today today is going to be day of the animals and be very afraid but before we get into that i want to remind everybody that eugene appreciation week starts on october 28th so it's time to show our best boy some love because he needs it he really really needs it so first episode of the, of the podcast is going to be Day of the Animals. This was a fun episode. I'm going to just say right now that, guys, you watch these two episodes back to back, and they are so completely tonally different that, like, <laughs> it makes your head spin. It's crazy. The Day of the Animals is directed by Tom Caulfield. It's written by Kelly Hannon, and the storyboards are by Adrian Varios, David Prince, and Janessa Warren. So we begin the whole episode with Hamuel flying yes. around Yay! I was so happy that it started with him. I was I like, know. oh, this is going to be a good episode. I'm going to enjoy this one. I watched it before Ellie did, and I immediately texted her, okay, we're three seconds in, and you're going to love this episode. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I bet it starts with Hammy. Or Eugene doing something amazing. Yep. That's, that's how I was okay with Eugene not being in this episode. I'm like, but there's Hamuel. Exactly. Hamuel, yeah. I still get my Dark Kingdom representation. (laughs) So, Hamuel is flying around carrying Pascal upside down. Except, Pascal is the one who's upside down. It's Hamuel! (laughs) The whole scene flips around and we see that Hamuel is flying upside down carrying Pascal above him by the feet. So, because he is flying upside down, he runs directly into Max's face, and Max throws Pascal and Hamuel backwards, landing them in the cart that he is pulling. Said Card is being driven by Rapunzel, and she is joined by Catalina, Kiera, and Varian. They are headed to Nizernia to return the last of Catalina and Kiera's stolen goods to officially put their thieving days behind them. Good for them. I think that's actually really cool mm-hmm. that they address that. But, like, yeah. this season is also about anybody who's done villainous things and how reformed is making up for that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, like, just they're, they're showing that this is a running theme in this. Okay. So, Varian has joined the three ladies on this journey to purchase some alchemical things from Nazerni in Market. His little rave about the alchemical, about alchemy, greatly knows Kira, who asks if anybody would like to switch seats with her. But Rapunzel <laughs> is happy to have Varian with them, and she's also hoping that since Rudiger has joined them as well, that he and Max may finally be able to become friends. And I like to remind people that Max and Rudiger's like, rivalry goes all the way back to What the Hair. Mm-hmm. All the way back to yep. like, the first they ever interact. Max is stuck in the goo, and Rudiger is climbing him to get to the apple that Max had been going after, and then he eats the apple and throws the apple core at at Max's head. So this has been going on since the very beginning. It's not a season three thing only. This is just the first time they've taken the opportunity to really explore it, which makes me want to go back and watch Secret of the Sundrop and see if, like, Monster Rudiger does anything particularly mean to, to, to Max while he's running around. <laughs> So Max spots an apple, speaking of apples, Max spots an apple, but so does Rudiger, and he scampers up the tree to grab it, shoving a pine cone in Max's mouth while he steals the apple from him. He taunts Max with the apple, but Pascal tries to calm Max down with the movie reference, the whole, you know, calm down with the hands thing. (laughs) But sadly, to no avail, as Max and Rudiger begin to fight, the cart gets jostled and a shell necklace falls out of one of the sacks of treasure into the back of the cart. Strangely though, Catalina doesn't remember stealing the necklace, and neither does Kira. As they discuss the loot, Varian suggests that they stow it for the time being, it being the loot, not like, stop talking. <laughs> not like, he's like, it. shut up! <laughs> I mean, quiet! We know he's good at that, you know? Yeah. Varian suggests that they stow it for the time being, as they are approaching Dead Man's Curve, a hotbed of thievery. But Kira tells Varian not to worry, real thieves still steer clear of this area. It's mostly for hacks and knuckleheads. Varian hides behind Rapunzel's hair, which is adorable! 
and Kira calls Varian V, which is also adorable. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, like, Varian's first actual nickname. That's so adorable. Cute. It's great. Just then, a thief jumps down from the trees and asks for their goods. But it's just Dwayne. Y'all remember Dwayne? He first showed up in Max's Enemy. He's the one who joined forces with Lady Kane and Axel. And he's incompetent. And he has been incompetent since the very first time we ever saw him. Now with oh, no exception. Oh, wait. Well, I mean, he gets named in that one, but I think the first time he shows up is Fitzherbert P.I. Because he's, he's the thief that you mm. catches. I know. I'm just saying. You're absolutely right that the first time he shows up is Fitzherbert P.I. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So anyway, but Dwayne's been around. We've seen Dwayne a couple of times. He also, like, briefly shows his face in Varderos, which is why he wasn't on the prison barge, because he had broken out of jail again or something. Or maybe they let him go on account of being a horse's accomplice who even knows God. <laughs> <laughs> like well we can't blame you for bringing you out of jail but a horse knocked the wall down you know <laughs> god only knows with corona law so rapunzel asked him what they talked about the last time he was caught stealing and he responds don't do it and promises <laughs> to never steal again he then leaves stating that he'll go find an honest job and we all believe him yeah right oh yeah <laughs> After that, Rudiger tries to sneakily steal the apple from Maximus' saddlebag once more, but he's caught by the horse who starts chasing him around the forest, rocking the cart about. Rudiger taunts Max on top of a tree, but Pascal steals the apple back from Max. And as he goes to take it to his friend, though, he trips over Hanuel, who's just laying there on his back on a tree branch. I loved that! <laughs> You're just jealous. He's just like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and Pascal lands on Max's back with Rudiger in tow. Max spins, making the cart spin around, and the apple flies off, landing farther away. Hamuel, being the helpful best boy that he is, uses the shell necklace to impale the apple and bring it towards him. And the other animals go in to grab it. But Rapunzel has had enough of this. She tells him that they need to just this shake is... hands and get along. I mean, shake up and Season tail. three of Rapunzel, she don't give She's no over cares it. anymore. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah, like, she... all right, if you don't stop fighting, I'm going to murder you all <laughs> season three Rapunzel promise with a smile on her face <laughs> yep. so she tells him to just shake hands and get along I mean shake hoof and tail or beak and paw is that what raccoons have paws and then like Rutgers like flexing his little paws and he's trying to, like, <laughs> it's so he, like, cute looks at him and he's like wink wink oh. he's like oh what are they called trash hands candles. I always call them raccoon hands so cute <sighs> but Hamuel, being Hamuel, tries to pry the necklace from the apple, and as Rudiger tries to take the apple from him, the magic of the necklace activates and sucks Rapunzel, Varian, and the girls inside. The animals are confused, but continue to fight over the apple, and a chase ensues. <laughs> On that, the one that leads Max to getting his head stuck in a tree, like there's like a fork branch, and he like gets his jaw stuck inside the, the fork. <laughs> and um, the cart goes careening off away, and the necklace is left with Hamuel. And we cut to inside the necklace, which really reminded me, like, of a genie bottle immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like I was like, like pillows. At first I was like, is this some weird genie talisman with no genie in it? This is the strangest yeah. thing I've ever seen. And I, I feel like it's probably an I Dream of Genie reference because I feel, I feel, like, feel like there's definitely people on the crew who are old enough to have watched that show. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, I'm old enough to have watched it. Not when it was new, but it plays reruns when I was a kid. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and if not, like, a specific reference, they could have, like used it as reference like this isn't meant to mm-hmm. be i dream of genie but we looked at i dream of genie for ideas mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah so it's like it's got couches and lots of cushions and all this purple drapery and it's got a mirror and so it's not like it looks like a terrible place to live but it is inside a seashell necklace <laughs> and i saw this pointed out by beth you know have you heard of that hair show and i really love this concept that it is a seashell and it is a prison and the last time we faced something that was a seashell and a prison, it was Matthews. Mm-hmm. Wee woo, Matthews alert! <laughs> so, like, hope he comes I back. hope Love this is referenced too. again. I hope this shell is actually his somehow and yeah. not just this random thing that we, like, never hear from again. Because, like, the chance for it to be linked to him is so there, mm-hmm. you know? And for it to, like, randomly appear out of nowhere, I'm like, that's so very Matthews. Right. That's his M.O. Nobody knew where that thing came from, and so it would be absolutely within storytelling capability for this to actually be linked to Matthews somehow. Mm -hmm. So, inside the necklace, (laughs) bring bring back Gavin. Bring back Gavin. Mm -hmm. So, inside the necklace, 
The group realized that they've been magically shrunk down, and now they need to find a way out. Rapunzel remarks that they've been in much worse situations than this. Definitely not weirder, but worse. <laughs> Kira becomes upset and asks, what have I done to deserve this? To which Farron reminds her, D- didn't you steal from, you know, dozens of people? And she goes, all right, we're doomed. And <laughs> So he catches it and he goes to throw it back in retaliation, but Rapunzel just being the mom friend takes it from him and it earns her a glare, <laughs> which like, I don't blame her at this exact moment. Yeah. <laughs> but I, fights when we're not trying to figure things out. I loved his little glare. I was like, oh, there he is. There <laughs> He's back for a hot second. I think somebody took, made a great little screen cap thing where they're like, oh, like you're two seconds from giving up on your redemption. Yeah. <laughs> Gag is very in like every time he glares at somebody, he's like, Oh, he's giving up the redemption. <laughs> Y'all better watch out. <laughs> Bad boy's coming back. <laughs> so, while Rapunzel ensures them that the other animals will surely save them, we see Max stuck in the tree, and Hamuel <laughs> gets stuck in the tree also by flying into it and getting his head caught in a little fork in the branches. <laughs> he's such a Tiger looks on and laughs at them. Hammy just wants to be part of the group, <laughs> right? He wants to be included. Like, he does. He keeps following them around and like doing stuff. He's so yeah. Great. He's like, can I join you? He's, oh my God, he's just me. He's just the friend who's like, hey, can I join you on things? And they're like, sure, well, I get- guess. Why? <laughs> so Dwayne returns asking for lift back to Corona, but instead he stumbles upon the necklace and takes it with him. So like, this episode, all of a sudden, we are very aware that this episode is actually going to focus on Dwayne. Mm-hmm. And th- this was something unexpected, and I never knew I needed it. Mm-hmm. But I totally mm-hmm. need it, because Dwayne is delightful. Like, yep. I can't even with this dude. He is so funny, and he's so well animated in this episode. Oh my gosh, like, right? Yes. It, it's so great. I love it. It's fantastic. So I was Max- like, are those some prime Tom Caulfield boards Oh yeah, there? right. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> always tell Tom's board. They're so obvious yeah. and it's so great. So Max frees himself and he notices that the necklace has vanished. He and Rudiger both begin sniffing out a trail in opposite directions because there are two sets of boot prints and both are sure that their way is correct. Max and Pascal head down the trail Max sniffed out and Rudiger begrudgingly follows them. Elsewhere, Dwayne is proud of himself for swiping the necklace from the animals and states that he hates animals. And just then, a vulture swoops down from a branch and presses its face into his. He backs away terrified until the bird squawks at him and he runs off. I was like, oh, hello, random vulture. What are you doing here? <laughs> Inside the necklace, the group have stacked themselves to get a look at look out of the gem, and Catalina discovers that they are not only moving, but they aren't being carried by Max, but Dwayne. And as Dwayne hops, hops on a raft, Catalina attempts to break out of the necklace, like she's just going to dislodge the gem. <laughs> as the animals are following Dwayne's suspected trail, they discover that it was not Dwayne's pet. Dwayne's path, but instead one crafted by Hamuel, who is once again stuck in a boot. I love you, Hammy. It's I was like, so of funny. course it's Hammy. I don't know what's up with that bird, but like literally going into boots is his hobby. Like he loves he's not it. even stuck or lost. It's just what he loves. He's like a cat with a box. Yeah, that's what boots. I should do with all of the crows I got for Halloween. Just yes. put them in various different shoes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Like when my guests arrive, I'll be like, oh please take off your shoes. And they'll Come be like, okay, and then I'll just shove it full of birds. Bex and I were talking once about Eugene-inspired tattoos, and we were like, just get a crow and put him in a boot. That's a Eugene-inspired yes. tattoo. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> Rudiger, it turns out, was right in the first place about which tracks to follow. While he and Max argue, Pascal scampers to the river and sees Dwayne floating by on a raft. The animals begin to chase after him, but are eventually stopped by a fork in the road. River, rather. The fork in the river. But they are determined. Back inside the necklace, Catalina finally gets the gem loose and attempts to climb out, but her hand returns to its normal size upon exiting the the shell, as seeing her wiggling fingers coming out of the necklace spooks Dwayne. (laughs) As they fall back to the base of the necklace, Varian discovers a plaque written in some sort of ancient chirography, Minotian perhaps, or ancient Saporian, until Rapunzel points out that he's looking at it upside down. I love her little lean on his head. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, Marion, it's upside down. He's like, There's oh. There's so, like, siblings. Like, all four of them are siblings in this mm-hmm. episode. And it's so great. I mean, and that's one thing that, like, they're doing this season that they hadn't done before. Is they're just exploring the, what if we stick these characters together? Mm-hmm. How do they interact with each other? Yeah. And I love that. And I honestly, like, I 
thank some of the entertainment of the third season to the fact that it has such an expanded cast now. Because, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you're stuck with, like, five characters. It gets a little stale. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here, have 17 characters. I'm like, oh, that's better. <laughs> yeah. Aha, finally, stories. Good, excellent. The plot tells them that they are prisoners of the shell and that the only way to get free is to drop it in the ocean. Catalina wants to know how they're supposed to do that while they're stuck in the shell, and Kira reiterates that they're doomed! <laughs> but Rapunzel reminds them that their animal friends are still looking for them. Max is the best tracker tracker in all of Corona. Pascal is really, really smart. Rudiger can be surprisingly resourceful. But no one has anything nice to say about Hammy has It was I, so rude. I, I texted Bex, I was like, they're disrespecting Hammy in my house? No. <laughs> right? No, unacceptable. Asked the other day that was like I can't believe that like they didn't have anything nice to say about Hammy. I'm like wait until you hear the podcast. <laughs> a million nice things to say about him. He's Hammy. a good boy. He is the best boy. And if Edmund had been there, he would have been furious. <laughs> How could anyone dis- disrespect his best friend like that? <laughs> so rude. If nothing else, though, they could have at least like noted that he never gives up, which he doesn't ever yeah. give up. And yeah. he's also gifted with dumb luck. Like, seriously, that bird's got the greatest dumb luck ever. He's got the worst stats, but he rolls 20s all the time. <laughs> so back outside, back outside the shell, Max is racing along the riverbank, keeping pace with Dwayne's raft. And Dwayne is completely oblivious to the fact that he's being chased by a horse being ridden by a chameleon, a raccoon, and a crow. Like, they have been following him for God knows how long, and he's completely unaware of it. Completely. <laughs> This is Dwayne, people. So Max spots a vine and he grabs it, tossing one end with Rudiger and Pascal to the other side of the river. They're going to pull it tight and get the unsuspecting Dwayne to get caught on it so that they can stop him. Unfortunately, a raccoon and chameleon don't weigh anything close to what a horse weighs, and Rudiger (laughs) and Pascal are dragged into the river behind the raft. Irritated, they climb out on the opposite bank as Max. Evening has fallen and Dwayne is making camp, singing a celebratory song about how he stole from the princess. Inside the shell, it seems Rapunzel and the kids have been searching everywhere for a door, a hidden compartment, a secret chamber, anything, but they are completely trapped here. They are, however, finding the remains of a, pi- of a pirate's parrot, and Catalina uses the skull as a ventriloquist dummy to amuse Varian. Just then, Rapunzel realizes that they can hear Dwayne singing from inside the shell, which means that they can ampl- if they can amplify their voices, he should be able to hear them. Using an empty vase as a resonating chamber, she begins calling out to Dwayne, who is completely freaked out by the disembodied voices. <laughs> This whole scene was just superb. This <laughs> is the scene also where the animation of Dwayne in the scene is just like, it's so great. And he's waving his sausage on a stick around and he's talking to the voices in some freaking, it's really good animation. Mm-hmm. So like Mercury's mm-hmm. just this season. And he's like, every episode has at least one moment of this really good animation. Yeah. So Rapunzel tells Dwayne that she is the voice of his subconscious. He doesn't know what that is, and he keeps looking at his sausage as though he thinks that's what's talking to him. <laughs> oh my god. It's amazing. Like, he even holds it up to his ear at one point. Mm-hmm. And he, like, looks directly at it while he's talking. He just, he thinks it's the sausage. <laughs> so she tells him that he needs to drop the pendant into the sea and that it's magic and will grow to ten times its size and be worth so much more if he does. But he doesn't sound convinced. Uh, it might be some time for some reverse psychology. I don't think forest psychology is working on this dimwit. <laughs> so Rapunzel tells him that if he doesn't do it, then the lucky crook he sells it to will, and then be the one to get rich. This convinces Dwayne, who calls this hypothetical third party a backstabber and accuses them of double-crossing him. <laughs> because he's Dwayne. I love him and, so and people say Ham is the stupid one. Mm-hmm. I think Hammy was like, he just ran into too many walls, you know? Like, he was probably a smart crow at one point in his life. Or, but, yeah. But like, maybe, well, well, as I said before, I think probably the Flint, Flynn Rider and the Lost Treasure of Scotia probably got dropped on his head when Eugene yeah. accidentally dropped <laughs> it off. I was like, how do you drop it off a cliff, you idiot? <laughs> He's reading at a cliff's edge, right? And yeah. he reads something that gets him really excited, and he exclaims and like flings his arms up Aww. in joy. That's exactly what he did. Oh my god! <laughs> and he just to be like, idiot. "Oh man!" But it hits Hammy on the way down, and oh. that's why Hammy's the way he is. <laughs> way to go, Eugene! <laughs> Good job, Eugene. You don't get to complain about him ever again. <laughs> 
The animals are still following Dwayne, and they follow him all the way to the edge of a cliff where Dwayne takes off the necklace, preparing to drop it into the ocean below. Knowing that their friends are in the shell, but not that dropping it in the ocean will free them, Max comes up with a plan to get the shell back. In the dirt he draws it, he will swing from a tree and kick Dwayne over the cliff, grabbing the shell in the process while Rudiger and Pascal cheer him on. Disagreeing with his plan, Rudiger wipes that part of the drawing and draws in that he will simply stomp Dwayne to death and steal the shell. <laughs> I was like, Rudiger, right up murder. He's you the are murder a baby. Rapper. And also, I love that you went to murder right away. <laughs> Sounds like a me move. <laughs> Pascal draws, draws it in the dirt an annoyed, annoyed self-portrait, looking stern with his arms crossed, which turns out to be exactly the way he's standing at that moment. Pascal and Rudiger go after Dwayne while Max continues to try to think of a plan, but Hamuel alerts Max to the other two. Just as Dwayne is about to drop the shell, Pascal climbs up his leg, turning invisible because that's a thing he can do. He's not just, like, blending in anymore. He's just straight up turning invisible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pascal's like, like, where am I? Nowhere. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in Rapunzel's return, when Rapunzel and Pascal were sneaking into the castle, and you saw, like, all the shadows on the walls, I'm pretty sure Pascal was invisible, but he still cast a shadow, and I thought that was kind of a cool effect. Mm -hmm. um, he turns invisible again and peers into the gem window, and Rapunzel tells him to be careful, and he goes invisible again. Confused that she called it Pascal, Dwayne pulls the shell back from the cliff's edge and tells it that he's beginning to think that he's not talking to my sub, uh, sub, that, that, that thing you said. <laughs> doesn't notice subconsciousness. Amazing. Pascal <laughs> reveals himself once more and Dwayne freaks trying to toss him off the pendant without letting go of it himself. He manages to throw Pascal so Rudiger attacks. But then he throws a Rudiger too. Now Max is charging at him and rather than fight, Dwayne hops down jutting rock spurs on the cliff face where Max can't follow. Max runs a long way down looking for Dwayne who is hiding behind a tree stump on the ground. But it turns out that the vulture from before is watching the whole thing. Rudiger and Pascal roll out of nowhere, presumably having rolled down the cliff to get there faster, and run into Max, so Dwayne uses the distraction to run the other way. While declaring that no dumb animal was ever going to catch him, Dwayne is suddenly picked up by the shoulders by the vulture. Or is it, like, supposed to be a condor? Because it's awfully big and it lives on a cliff face, so I'm also wondering if it's supposed to be a condor and not a vulture. It's but whatever. entirely it's, possible. It's a bald-headed cartoon bird. That's what it is. <laughs> Rapunzel and crew are witnessing the liftoff from the gym window in the shell. They did not expect this. The animals <laughs> argue about whose fault it was and then go their separate ways, each stalking off in a different direction. And then Hamuel swoops in and lands face first in the dirt at the center of where they were just, uh, where the others just were. <laughs> it, it begins to rain, and alone, Max looks sadly at his bedraggled reflection in the puddle, then trudges on. Rudiger climbs an apple tree, and the water sliding off an apple gathers in the shape of a horse. He hides his eyes under his tail. Huddled under a leaf umbrella, Pascal sits by a tiny campfire until water dripping off the leaf extinguishes it. He turns blue with sadness. Aww. And Hammy, sweet Hammy, <laughs> oh is staring God. up at the sky. His feet open until he's just a squishy water balloon crow <laughs> as the rain clears. Oh my God, I couldn't even. I was like, Hammy! <laughs> I was dying. Also, that's such a, like, that's something I would have done as a small child. Just <laughs> laid out in the rain with my mouth open. Like, I'm going to drink a bunch of water now. Hammy's well, just me. We had, like, lots of opportunity to do that. Yeah. Also, I'm surrounded by crows at all times. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> In the bird's nest, Dwayne begins. Dwayne begs the mama bird and her five chicks not to eat him. I'm probably all gristle, but the mama bird has other plans. It turns out she thinks Dwayne is one of her chicks. I so love that. I'm like, how? <laughs> I guess she thinks the hood is a bald head. I don't know. Oh, probably. The shell necklace is hanging from a little scrub branch just behind the nest, and Kira comments that they can officially count the animals out, but Rapunzel tells her that they can never give up, give up hope on their friends. Max is a top-notch guard. He just needs to learn that he has to listen as well as give orders. He just has to learn how to play, play well with others. They all do. Each one of those guys has something special about them. As she says this, we see Max gazing sadly into the river, then laying down. But he sits up when he notices that Beaver's working together to repair their dam and smiles, realizing that teamwork is the answer. Pascal may be small, but he's mighty and also adorable. <laughs> we see Pascal still blue and shivering slightly, but he looks up when he hears Max whinny and sees him come leaping joyfully out of the brush. Max licks Pascal, who turns green again, and he wags his horsey tail, and then the two join up to go find the others. <laughs> and Rudiger's cunning and loyal. 
Rudiger is asleep in the tree, hanging upside down by his tail, which raccoons don't do. And usually cartoons claim that opossums are the ones that do that, and they can't do it either. But whatever, man. <laughs> he is back coming, and he wakes up and then climbs under the branch. Max charges up and knocks his head against the trunk, knocking two apples loose, which Rudiger catches. Pascal waves, and Rudiger jumps down onto Max's back. He offers him one of the apples, and the horse and raccoon toast with them before taking off again. If they could just come together, they would be unstoppable. But again, no nice words about Hammy at Rapunzel. Mm -hmm. Rapunzel is on my list. (laughs) How dare she? How dare she be so mean to Hammy? Hammy would have been Eugene's Pascal if he had grown up in the Dark Kingdom. And to see her disrespect Hammy this way upsets me greatly. You know, it's really rare for Rapunzel to be on any of our lists. Mm -hmm. It really is. The last time Rapunzel was on a list, it was when, like... We'd only heard everything I ever thought I knew, and we didn't know who had hurt Eugene. We were like, did you hurt him? (laughs) Am I mad at Rapunzel? (laughs) And then we were like, oh, you hurt you, Eugene. You fool. Oh, you hurt you, Eugene, you (laughs) Okay, awesome. Love him. (laughs) So Catalina wonders how the animals could find them up on the cliff face, even if they were together, and Rapunzel begins to concoct a plan, taking into account that when Catalina stuck her hand beyond the gem, it grew back to its normal size. Working together, the animals are hot on the trail. Rapunzel's idea is to make the lanterns out of the shell's interior drapery and some of Varian's chemicals, and when the lanterns rise out of the shell prison, the chemicals combine and they explode into fireworks, signaling the animals where they are. Using his hand binoculars, which he can apparently zoom in with and also let other people use, Rudiger spots <laughs> the shell by the nest, and the animals gallop and begin gallop in and begin to make a new plan. This time, using teamwork, Max will fell a dead tree and use it as a seesaw-style catapult to launch Rudiger and Pascal up to the nest. Rudiger makes a small adjustment, but it's actually a logical one that doesn't discount the whole rest of the plan, and Max agrees with the change. The best movie callback yet. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it was so good. As a Pascal and Rudiger like are getting ready to get launched, Pascal, and this is all like guys, I before the series ever even started, I wanted an episode that focused on the animals and was like short on the dialogue. And this is exactly what this episode gave me. So I was like thrilled at how much of it was gesture and expression. And in this moment was like fantastic. So Rudiger and Pascal are on the end of the log and they pantomime and chitter. They're Pascal and Rudiger version of head down, head down. Arms in, arms in, knees apart, <laughs> knees apart, knees apart. And then as Max whinnies and jumps down onto the bridge, he makes the exact same hoop pa, like in the same case that right here. falls, and it was amazing. And the movie <laughs> reference, that's what the show has done. So good. Rudiger and Pascal make a perfect landing right by the necklace. But but they see that Dwayne is absolutely covered in adoring bird family. You gotta <laughs> help me, burglar cat, he cries. Burglar cat. cat. Oh my god. <laughs> burglar cat's the best. That might even be better than Trash Panda. <laughs> yeah. Wanting to protect your chicks, Bomber Bird scares Rudiger and he topples backwards off the cliff. But Hemi, who is not useless, thank you very much. Oh my god. Carrying him the same way he was carrying Pascal at the beginning of the episode. I, I just love that part because Varian sees this and he's like, Rudiger! <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh. And Hammy comes in for the save, and I'm like, see, that's what you get for just whistling earlier. Like, you doubted Hammy, but he saved your best friend. Man. (laughs) So Rudiger and Hammy will get Mama Bird to chase them. Oh, no, still doomed. That was, like, a great line. It's so subtle and so in the background. Like, (laughs) Hamuel and Rudiger fly off, and Mary goes, oh, no, still doomed. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. I want to, like... Season three, the number of times people have said doomed just in season three is already like extreme. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's got to be at least like 10 times now. Yes, it really does. But Pascal, who has curled up and disguised himself as a rock, retrieves the necklace and Rapunzel realizes that the chase was part of the plan. But they still have to deal with Dwayne, who was reaching for the necklace and being restrained by his five bird siblings. His pants rip and he falls forward, knocking Pascal and the necklace off the cliff. Hemuel and Rudiger try to save him, but the mama bird is incoming and they have to veer out of the way. Just as it looks like Pascal and the shell are going to hit the rocks below, Pascal stops falling. It turns out that Rapunzel has unfurled her hair out of the gem window and snagged it on a rock spur on the way down. And I gotta wonder, what does 70 feet of hair attached to like a three centimeter body feel like? <laughs> I mean, comparatively, how long is her hair now? <laughs> like, this is yeah. crazy. It's 70 
feet and she's like five feet tall. So how many hundreds of feet, how many miles of hair does she have when she's three centimeters tall and at 70 feet of feet? I mean, 70 feet of hair, 70 feet of feet. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> but the mama bird is still chasing Rudiger and Hamuel with no end in sight. Max gets another idea and he and Pascal signal them to fly into the dead tree they'd use as the catapult. The bird chases them in, but once Hammy and Rudiger are clear, Max kicks the log and rotates it against the cliff face, into which the mama bird flies, incapacitating her. Groggy, she flies off, looking loopy, but probably no worse for wear. The animals bring the shell down to the sea, and in, and in a swirls of golden magic, the humans are released from their prison at last. So it looks like it's a happy ending for everyone, except for Dwayne, who is still in the nest, being fed worms by mama bird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne. <laughs> that was such a good episode. It really was. Yeah. Like it's, I cannot like. There's at least three episodes this season so far that I would call unexpectedly unexpectedly delightful, and mm-hmm, it's one mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Like just kept happening. Like they kept being like, "Well, I don't know if I'm gonna like this episode." Oh, it turns out I love that episode. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. and it keeps happening. You're season three. You're allowed to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. allowed. To, you're allowed to keep delivering and making me not dislike any single episode that exists. Like mm-hmm. that'd be crazy. <laughs> Please don't kill Edmund, or I will undoubtedly dislike that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what else happens. You kill my Fitz dad. I will hate that episode forever. I hope he comes back soon. I miss I Eddie know, boy. I know, I miss him. Yeah. It was so funny. I was like, I'm not having Edmund withdrawals. Like, it's all good. He could come back in any of the, uh, these episodes. And then, like, right after Be Very Afraid ended, I was like, oh, God, I miss him so much. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're on eight, and so I don't know when I'm going to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> <That was very laughs> <sad>. <laughs> so, now on to Be Very Afraid. It is directed by Philip Pignotti, written by Jeremy Shipp, storyboards by Kate Ritter and Wendy Sullivan. We open with Cassandra practicing controlling the rocks, but she's struggling. It takes a lot of effort, and she can't seem to do very much. Enchanted Girl tells her that she will learn to control it, but Cassandra isn't so sure. She thought that by taking the Moonstone, her destiny would become clear, but now she's wondering if she even has a destiny, which is, like, a really interesting concept that she literally grabbed this thing not knowing what she was right. going to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Just, now Dummy. I'm that she didn't have a plan, and I'm like, Cassandra didn't have a plan? She just... <laughs> went for it what the hell the little blue girl was like gank the moonstone she's like okay and then what and she's like just take the moonstone and then you'll figure it out and she's like okay and then she takes it and she's like and now what and the little blue girl's like oh no you're supposed to figure that out on your own she's like damn it now what now you have a destiny and what is that destiny figure it out mm-hmm. i don't know so the Enchanted Girl tells her that her destiny is to destroy Rapunzel. Cassandra is shocked by this and doesn't look at all like she's certain that that's right. As she hesitates on the news, glowing red rocks suddenly spring up around, leading away from her. Enchanted Girl tells her that she's connected to the rocks and that they respond to her feelings, even fear. I I was like, when the little gl- girl was like, you have to destroy Rapunzel, I was like, wait, what now? <laughs> I was like, like, what? I was like, sorry. And the girl has started stepping up her game of instructions. First, she's just being kind yeah. of vague, and now she's being like, kill Rapunzel. Yeah, she's like, like, take the stone, yeah. now murder her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she went zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> I'm going to say that, honestly, this is the point at which I started being like, okay, that's not the spirit of the Moonstone, and she is directly connected to Zontiri, like, no yeah. doubt. Because yeah. what does Zontiri, what has Zontiri wanted since, like, they were trying to destroy Corona in the first place? It's always had this Corona Sun Drop grudge. Like, yeah. so, like, seriously, I'm no longer at all convinced that it's the spirit of the Moonstone. Yeah. I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. But nope. I'm like, this little blue girl is on Disney's bad side because they're like, wait, you want to kill one of our Disney princesses? How will we keep our brand together? <laughs> and then I'm over here like, yes, do it. Get her. <laughs> yeah. Bring her back, but get her. <laughs> sad Eugene and like yeah. he might maybe that's when Zach cries okay. oh god I don't want to think about it looks like I'm on the blue girl's side right now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I honestly think it's really funny how like how much the fandom hates her. Like, the fandom right? loves to hate the blue girl. It's fantastic. I feel, like, I feel like in the first episode, we didn't hate her that much, but then, you know, in more the episodes, episode, when people like, were like, oh, she's, she's like, gonna die. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like, it doesn't matter 
what the fandom agrees or disagrees about. Like, everybody's like, destroy Blue Girl. I was going to say, I've never seen us come together as much as I have with this Blue Girl and the hatred we feel towards her. (laughs) Yep, I love it. Threatening our girl. She made our other girl go bad. (laughs) (sighs) She's the work. She showed us Gothel being Cass's mom, which, you know. Ah, put her at the top of the list right there (laughs) that reminds me that I just asked I got the other day like yesterday I think where somebody asked me if like if I really thought Cassandra was going to try to kill kill Rapunzel because like that seems really like unlikely and I'm like you know Gothel being her mom seemed really unlikely Mm -hmm. but here we are so So, bye Rapunzel (laughs) (laughs) oh my god if if Cass kills Eugene, I'm going to be like, what is wrong with this family? You leave him alone. I'm <laughs> uh, not allowed to stabby stab my boy. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. Gothel stabs him. Oh. Yep, the captain almost hangs him. The captain was straight up ready to hang oh, him. God, you're right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Bye, Eugene. In the family <laughs> who has not tried to kill him is Shorty. Nope. (laughs) But how many times has Shorty put them in a predicament that he could have died? Shorty has always actually probably Okay. On with the show. In his bedroom, Varian is trying to decipher the the complete scroll, which I think is kind of cool that Rapunzel's just like, here, figure this out. Put a bunch of nails in it. I was like, Varian, that's a very important scroll. I know. Put a bunch of nails in it. Also, I just love that, you know, she already trusts him this much. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. yay! And she's just like, no, okay. She's like, okay, I'm past. I'm over everything that happened. Here you go. Figure this out. <laughs> so he's wondering out loud what it means, and he's talking to the non-present Demanitus, which is adorable. What does it mean, Demanitus? What does it mean? I'm like, that's cute. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, Vigor's not here, so. Guess. <laughs> So, also, it's good to note that he's got a Flynn Rided water poster in his bedroom, too. And if y'all, if this is not a crush, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like, such a like, mood, Varian. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Crushing on both Eugene and Cassandra. That's just straight I, up how it is. I just love that even after all this time, like, I feel like Varian never showed any ill will towards Eugene. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Because if... If Eugene had done anything to him, he would have been absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. He never would have redeemed himself. Because <laughs> Eugene's his idol. I just was like, what would have Varian and Edmund bond over the lost treasure of Scotia oh as well? Oh my god, that <laughs> he's is so cute! <laughs> because he's also a big Flynn Rider fan. Mm-hmm. And okay. Yeah. Speaking of Edmund and the lost treasure of Scotia, I, ha- I had a thought about this the other day, so this is totally tangential, and we'll get back on the episode in a second. But I know that people have been wondering, <laughs> is he a fan of Flynn Rider because of Eugene's books, or, like, is that the only one he's read, or whatever? Yeah. But it occurs to me that he's the one who gave that speech about people think they're books that are just for kids, which means he's probably been a fan of the book since before Eugene left. Mm -hmm. And he's had conversations with people or tried to have conversations with people about the books in the Dark Kingdom. They're just like, Your Majesty, those are children's books. Why are you enjoying them so much? He's just like, they're Uh... not just for kids. So like, yeah, so my official headcanon is that he's always liked them and that, I don't know, maybe he like made sure that bitch had a copy of one of the books, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I was like, wait, what if he sent eugene with a oh. book like that was a possession that he sent with him he's like here for my baby boy take this book <laughs> and the rando lady who just was like here's an orphanage <laughs> and they're all gonna... like they're like this is awfully strange they love this child enough to bring him a book which is really really odd <laughs> like, that book oh my god all... i just got such an interesting idea I was like, okay, so what if he sent him with a book? And usually when kids are just dumped at orphanages, sometimes they have a thing from their parents that has, like, their name in it. Well, what if the book was, like, a used copy and it had the name Eugene Fitzherbert in it? Oh, oh that'd be interesting. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that... Like, you that's where it got... some rando from the Dark Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're like, oh, this must be this baby's name. Well, that's unfortunate, but <laughs> that's what he's getting. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. 
So suddenly okay. Marion hears something. Cry, it's fine. Yep. So suddenly, Darian hears Kieran call his name in alarm. When he finds his dad, Kieran is almost completely encased in the amber again. Panicking, Varian runs for him, but the room behind him fades away and is suddenly filled with the townspeople of Corona, calling him a traitor and telling him it serves him right for what he did and this is what he deserves. All the while, the Amber is covering Kieran, who calls out for his son. Have y'all, like, seen the storyboards that Kate submitted that were, like, way oh. better than this? Mm-hmm. Oh, the storyboards so are so much better. I like them so much better because in the storyboards, Varian's working on his stuff and or Varian gets up in the morning. First of all, he gets up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he's got a little like he's got a hand crank and it automates his bed and the little automations turn down his covers and bring him his slippers and comb his hair for him <laughs> first thing in the day morning. So and so cute. then he hears the call and he goes running in and Kieran is being encased in Amber and then as he runs forward he touches the Amber and it grabs him and lifts him up and they reach for each other and they clasp hands and just as they clasp hands they're like both completely encased and mm -hmm. then he wakes up. And I, I like that way better. Yeah, I really loved Varian also getting encased yeah. because I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, that's yeah. like That's a nightmare, man. Yeah. Because think about it this way, if Varian also got encased and part of the nightmare is that there's literally nothing he can do about it mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. You know, he can't even ask for help this time. So yep. I really, so Kate, if you're listening, we like your storyboard better. <laughs> <laughs> so Varian bolts upright having fallen asleep at his desk. It was all a nightmare. He hurries outside with Rudiger on his shoulders and Kieran is there working, perfectly happy and healthy. He's got a, he's got a wagon full of, not a wagon, but a wheelbarrow full of, full of apples, which is like callback to when they were like apple orchards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Rudiger is distressed. He notices a cluster of glowing red rocks sprouting from the ground. They go to investigate them, and all Varian really has to say is, oh, this is new. Like, oh, <laughs> He's like, hmm. That is the most, like, blasé thing he has ever said ever in the history of the entire series. Oh, this is new. <laughs> At Corona Castle, Lance is giving a tour. They are approaching their last stop, the North Balcony. Although, technically, the last stop is the Royal Kitchen, but I lost kitchen privileges after last month's incident. Word of the wise, a meatball cannon may sound like a brilliant idea in theory, but in practice, well, it's a long story. Let's leave it there. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I just realized, is that a Meet the Robinsons reference? <laughs> I wondered if that was. I mean, they have cannons, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, because I had, I, I, had, I had thought that, that maybe it's a Meet the yeah, Robinsons reference. Because, uh, oh gosh, I think Nathan wrote the story for that. Oh, okay. I hmm. could be wrong, but I feel like he wrote the story for that. <laughs> so, the graphic Also, oh, sorry, I just wanted to say that I'm like, so... Do multiple people give tours of the castle? Yeah! Does Eugene give tours? I would want to take his tour. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, yeah, I'm just now like, I'm who all... Lance, now I'm picturing Lance pulling out a tip jar again when he's doing the tours. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh my god. What if Edmund gives tours and he oh just my goes god. doors and he's like, Oh, this this, I new? don't know anything about this. <laughs> this is new. <laughs> I've never gone through this door before. Who wants to go on an adventure? <laughs> he would, though. Oh, my it's God. the dungeons. Oh, Who my wants God. Who to be on the rack? <laughs> oh. So the ground begins to rumble. God, it'd be awesome. The ground begins to No, that's fine. I keep tangenting. <laughs> The ground begins to rumble as the glowing red rocks erupt towards the castle, breaking apart off the balcony, and an old man from the tour falls off. But Lance reaches for him and grabs him just in time. Okay, biceps, let's do this! When he talks to his muscles, it's adorable. <laughs> oh, so cute. Lance can't manage to haul him up, but Rapunzel runs up and uses her hair as a safety blanket that they can fall into. She uses her hair to redirect the fall into a soft landing into some hay. Amidst cheers, Rapunzel tells the people that she's just doing her part. Eugene runs up to make sure everyone's okay, and Rapunzel confirms that they are, but turns her attention to the giant spikes now breaking the castle wall. She touches the rock and immediately pulls her hand away as though she saw or felt something and very quietly wonders, Cassandra? Varian, heads into, Varian has headed into town, presumably to talk to Rapunzel about the new rocks, but he's been sidetracked by the fact that Rudiger has gone missing. He thinks he spots them on a rooftop and gives chase, but the furry critter keeps eluding him. While running, he nearly runs into Feldspar and that woman with a disgruntled, disgruntled baby from 
before ever after. Cue the fandom wondering if that baby doesn't age or if this is a new baby who looks just like their older sibling or what is up with this baby. It was also funny because Feldspar was standing right next to that lady and the baby is also ginger. And I was like, is that Feldspar's baby? (laughs) I kind of get the impression that Feldspar's not married. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd think we would have seen them standing next to each other before at some it's point. It's true. But it just for, for like a brief for second, I was like, that, is that I want to <laughs> that makes me wonder if that woman is not the braided girl's mom. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because previously, also, if that was Feldspar's baby, then that's the closest we'd get to having Fitzbabies, yep. most likely. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Feldspar asked very don't you have a kingdom to overthrow or something? Which and then refuses to answer Ooh. when Varian asks if he's seen the raccoon. And then baby starts crying, so Varian slinks away. But what I a actually sick kind of burn. It is a burn, but I also really like that they addressed that the kingdom hasn't forgiven him yeah. easily as Rapunzel has. I mean, I, like a lot of people have even been asking about. They're like, oh, so what? The Corona's just forgiven Varian? No, yeah. actually, they haven't. You know. As he's passing an alley, he thinks again that he's found Rudiger, but it turns out to be a mangy cat. But then he does find Rudiger, only Rudiger is frozen solid and glowing red like the rocks. Somewhere off screen, people start screaming. Outside of Monty's sweet shop, Max is gazing into the window at some candied apples when the red rocks spring up around him. Someone yells, stop thief, and Dwayne comes running by because Dwayne. <laughs> then Max tries to give chase. He finds out that all four of his hooves have been shackled and his feet won't leave the ground. Attila comes out with a tray of freshly baked croissants to find out what the hubbub is about, and the pastries spring off the tray with glowing eyes and sharp teeth and bat wings, and they tell him that he's burned them, so now they'll burn him. But when Max looks at Attila, he can't see what Attila sees. Similarly, when Lance runs up to settle Max down, he doesn't see Max's supposed shackles. Max breaks free and runs away, leaving Lance to wonder what if everyone's lost their minds. But then a giant spider with an evil clown head climbs over the cart that Max was pulling and demands that Lance sing. Lance runs away Rapunzel and Eugene are strolling through town assessing the new rocks. Lance runs by screaming that you can't make me sing in front of all these people! And Rapunzel theorizes that the new rocks are making everyone see their worst fears. Eugene counters that he's not seeing anything, probably because there's not much that he's afraid of. But then he passes in front of a window and sees that he's got a cowlick, which wasn't existent on the real Eugene. So cue the Eugene dramatics. Someone wake me up from this fresh misery! Which, oh my like, god. god Acting, also, like, oh, I'm like, like uh, Eugene, you're afraid of snakes. We know this from Vigor the Visionary. <laughs> I think that he's like, but that's like a healthy fear. It's not like a phobia. Yeah, and like, there was hundreds of them. And he doesn't like, he also wrote on the map to Equus about how he doesn't like snakes. So we know that he doesn't yeah. like snakes, although I don't know if I'd yeah. call it straight up fear. But yeah. Fair. You're not wrong. But I also know that like, while the fandom kind of had a hissy fit about this and while i you know participated in said hissy fit i will acknowledge that <laughs> it occurred to me on this watch through that if eugene's fear had something more dramatic then he would not have been able to keep his head through the rest of the episode yeah and so like we needed somebody with a level head in this episode so eugene he had was... to have a minor fear you know eventually like he probably was imagining every time he walked by a mirror he was seeing like cow licks and frizziness everywhere but he could handle that because he had to keep his head in the game mm-hmm. so yeah Good boy, Eugene. Yep. But just as Rapunzel calms him, saying that it's just in his head, Varian arrives with a very real petrified Rudiger. Varian explains that he's only been able to study the rocks for a few hours, but they seem to be extremely dangerous because if people are affected for too long, they become frozen in terror permanently. Pouring on the optimism, Rapunzel says that they need to find a way to turn these fearful frowns upside down and rearranges Rudiger's terrified grimace into a horrible semblance of a smile. Oops. (laughs) Well, that's creepier. Her first attempt is to paint a warning sign to keep people away from the rocks. It's adorable, with Varian holding a terrified Eugene. I was like, I lots of people reblogged it but they were, and liked it, but I was like, oh my gosh, look at Varian. He's being a great uh, knight to his dark prince. <laughs> He's also being a fantastic number one Flynn Rider uh, fan. He's so sure proud. <laughs> So it's adorable with Varian holding a terrified Eugene. And Eugene asks, couldn't you have made us look, I don't know, a little more brave? I really wanted to get the point across. Besides, you're so cute when you're screaming in terror. And she squishes his cheeks and it's so cute. That's so cute, too, that line. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Also, it just goes to show every time she manhandles him, he loves it. She pinches his cheek. She squishes his face. She boops his nose. Anytime. He loves it. Yes, please touch me more. Oh my god. <laughs> she grabs him by the front of the double mm. and swings him around in a circle and dips him into a kiss. He loves that yes. kind of stuff. Oh, 
<laughs> Rapunzel is not affected by the rocks, and she cheerfully guesses that it's because with Pascal by her side, she's not afraid of anything. Marion interrupts that he has an idea. In the castle, he explains that if he can sever a specific chain of rocks using one of his alchemical solutions, then they can cut off the red rock's fear power. They just need a cavern that runs deep enough. Rapunzel knows just the place to take him. One of the maids comes running in, screaming, having visions of a moth-winged Crowley telling her that she has changed the linens. The maid backs herself into a cluster of rocks and then turns completely red, frozen. Rapunzel tells Varian that they have to act now before this happens to anyone else. As they prepare for the trip, we see that Varian has packed full bottles of the solution that he used to make the amber on the black rocks. It seems to upset him to be handling it again, but he is determined. Rapunzel tasks Lance and Eugene with keeping the people's spirits up and their minds off their fears. Lance assures her that they'll think of something before he sees the clown spider again and runs off in a panic. So Eugene promises that he'll think of something at least. Eugene! Getting into that king role! Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of him! Mm -hmm. uh, it's a far, far different from, from when he went off to save parents on a snowy pass. Mm -hmm. That's my dark prince! In Herzerson's booby-trapped tunnels, Varian keeps repeating, no problem, we've got this. Rapunzel points out that she's been keeping track and he said it 23 times and has also <laughs> drawn an adorable picture of his of a nervous Varian in her journal. Varian assures her that he's fine, but he's just trying not to set up the 3,000 traps down here. Directly after which, Pascal sets off a trap by eating a bug, just like he did in The Alchemist Returns. Because <laughs> Pascal cannot keep his freaking tongue to himself. The trap opens a door under their feet, and most of Varian's supplies fall far, far from view and explode somewhere in the distance. Just as he falls in after them, Rapunzel catches him with her hair and hauls him back up. They only have one vial of his solution left, so Rapunzel says that they'll just have to make it count. And back in Corona, Eugene tells Lance that they're going to throw a talent show. While Lance questions this, Eugene explains that the production will be so entertaining that people won't remember to be scared. <laughs> a scared boy runs by in one direction, running into Eugene in the process, and then Nigel runs in the other direction, screaming about dragons everywhere before su succumbing to the red petrification. And our show's gonna start now. <laughs> in the tunnels, Rapunzel notices that Varian keeps hesitating, and she tells him that whatever the red rocks are showing him, they're just visions and not real. But he tells her that he's not seeing made-up things, he's seeing things that have actually happened. He tells her what the solution is and talks about his he tells her what the solution is in the vials and talks about his guilt that because he's used it, he did terrible things. He fumbles the flask, but Pascal catches it with his tongue. Virion goes on to say that if it had smashed, Corona would have be done for, and that everyone would hate him even more than they already do now, not that he blames them. Rapunzel tells him not to be too hard on himself, and he counters that it's easy for her to say because she's the wondrous and magical sundrop, but for ordinary people, fear is more debilitating. Varian, there is nothing ordinary about him. Oh, it was so sweet. I was like, look at his hands. And they walked off hand in hand, and it was so cute. God, I love that they're good friends now. Mm -hmm. Buddy. <laughs> I love that Rapunzel has, like, so many, like, genuine friends now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. uh, it's so good. It's so good. Back with Cassandra and the Enchanted Girl, Cassandra is questioning that she needs to destroy Rapunzel. Enchanted Girl tells her not to question it, and that she must wield the power of the Sundrop and the Moonstone together, but she can't do that without destroying Rapunzel. Cassandra continues to be conflicted about this. Eugene is running as MC for Corona's first ever talent show. Act 1. Vladimir is painting the ceramic unicorns in a calm and soothing way, a la Bob Ross. Feldspar, <laughs> spooked by the idea of unicorns, runs away. Act 2. Old Lady Crowley has a comedy act, but she's not funny and gets mad when no one laughs. I laughed. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Act 3. Kara and Catalina have an amazing wonder to show Corona. Just before Catalina transforms into a role form, Eugene realizes what they're going to do and utters a little, oh no. <laughs> the transformation terrifies the already spooked townspeople and they scatter before she can show them her soft shoe routine. <laughs> Behind the curtain, Lance is tutoring Attila on how to sing properly, and while the thug has a gravelly off-key voice that is hard on the ears, Lance's voice is like velvet, and Eugene, who just witnessed the butcher he be frozen by the rocks, knows that Lance's talent for singing has to go on next. Lance laughs in his face because, as you may recall, he's terrified of the idea of singing in front of a crowd. In the tunnels, the masonry is starting to crumble as the rocks continue to grow. Rapunzel and Varian cautiously make their way through, Varian questioning how much farther they need to go. Rapunzel informs him that they've arrived and shows him the shows him to the Demanitus chamber, where the Demanitus vice is still housed, though broken. Varian is extremely impressed, and Rapunzel tells him that he should have seen it before all the red rocks. 
He goes on to say how much he would have loved to have met the Manitis, to which Rapunzel replies, I did. Nice guy. He was a monkey. Long story. <laughs> she was so nonchalant about it. She was. I love <laughs> He's it. He's a monkey. No big monkey. deal. And Varian's like, I'm sorry? <laughs> like, the is so like, excuse me? Yeah. I love it. It's so great. Varian tries to explain what the Amber should do should do but the rocks are growing and rapunzel tells him that they need to act now unleashing her hair rapunzel secures it around Varian so he can get close enough to the rocks to pour the solution on them Varian is still seeing visions of kieran begging for his help and he has to fight past them to stay on task he pours most of the solution on the nearest red rock and nothing happens it just absorbs right into it realizing that the changing of the rocks from black to red must have changed their chemical makeup so his solution no longer works on them fortunately there's still some solution left in the flask and one black rock left in the chamber, but they have to climb to it. Backstage at the talent show, the clown spider is taunting Lance that it's time to sing in front of all these people, and they're waiting on him. But when Lance peers out into the audience, he sees Eugene calling out to him and cheering him on, saying he believes in him. This bolsters Lance's confidence, and he turns on the clown spider, saying, I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than my fears. The clown spider shrinks down small and cowers in fear from Lance's confidence, and Lance strolls out on stage. Can Eugene. I just say, Eugene is being the best brother ever. He is! Just cheering he on his brother. He's like, like, you can do it, broski. Here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the amazing stuff, though. If you look at their interactions through, like, seasons one and two, like, mm -hmm. Eugene will frequently say things such as, like, Lance, you're a genius, and that's the first and last time I'm ever going to say that. And now he's like, no, man, I believe in you. You're great at life. It's so great. <laughs> I love it. Like, he understands the difference between, like, now is not the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> great. So Eugene hits the spotlight, and then Lance sings a boppin' solo about facing your fears. It's so, so good. How does this series keep pouring out the inspirational songs? It is so great. Plus, Lance's interactions with Kiara and Catalina are, like, adorable. Just, like, mm -hmm. all I've ever wanted with them. And he makes old lady Crowley smile and boogie down, which is, like, who makes her smile other than herself? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> So the crowd cheers, and Eugene looks on with pride. His little smile is the cutest thing ever, and it I can't is. get over it. Rapunzel and Varian climb up the Demanimatist device to reach the single black rock. Varian slips, and Rapunzel catches them with her hair, but once they're level with each other, he says that it's no use. He can't do this. She tells him that he cannot let fear run his life. She confesses to him that she's seeing Cassandra destroy the kingdom with the black rocks, and that her worst fear is that she'll lose Cassandra as a friend forever. And then with this bomb-ass animation of Cass standing there with her hair blowing in the wind back with red smoke and embers flying, it's like, dang, that was a good, like, five-second mm -hmm. clip. That, that was for the lesbians. <laughs> that, was, that was specifically for them. For the lesbians and the animation aficionados. That's mm -hmm. what that was yes. for. <laughs> yep. Rapunzel notices how she and Varian both have trouble talking about what scares them. But the cavern is crumbling faster, and the red rocks are growing, and they have to get to that one black rock. So Varian says he'll do it and requests a lift. Rapunzel hauls him back up to the device and tells him to hurry. The rocks are closing in as Varian climbs, and Rapunzel is being backed away towards the edge of the platform she's on. The, she braces against the rocks, coming at her. Just as, miles away, Cassandra puts her hand on one of the red rocks. They sense each other through them, and then Cassandra narrows her eyes, and suddenly the redness is spreading to Rapunzel's arms. She calls out for Varian, who is still climbing, but now he's beginning to be overtaken, too. He reminds himself that it's not real, that he can do this, and it staves off the redness enough for him to keep moving. He reaches the black rock, which is also beginning to be, over to be overcome by the redness, and he is fighting this petrification as he tries to pour, but he drops the flask. However, he manages to catch it on his foot, and through the audio hallucination of Kieran calling for him, he kicks the flask up to where he can grab it. Fighting fear all the way, he finally manages to pour the last remaining drops of the solution onto the last remaining of the black rock. The amber bursts forth and begins to rapidly spread all over the red rocks, freeing Varian and Rapunzel from their control. The redness of the rocks fades away, turning them black again. Safely at ground level, Rapunzel hugs Varian and tells him that he tackled his fears and she knew he had it in him. In town, the, now, the new red rocks are sinking back into the ground, and everyone who has been petrified by them is free once more. Eugene cheers that they did it! And the crowd turns to the stage, cheering and applauding, and Crowley comments, so did you, Lance. And has she ever called anybody by their name before? Like, I think she called Feldspar by his first name once. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. For a day. But other than that, she just slings out insults constantly. Mm -hmm. She's actually called people by their names, and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> 
So Lance realizes that they absolutely loved him on stage and he has no need to be afraid to perform anymore. Good. Sing more, Lance. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Back in the Glen, Cassandra is desperately trying to get her last red rock to stay, but it and the other black rocks that shot up at the beginning sink back into the ground and cast sinks to her knees. Enchanted Girl tells her that Rapunzel can strip her of her power and that if she doesn't destroy Rapunzel, then Rapunzel will destroy her. Alarmed by this, Cassandra gets to her feet and once again steals herself. Back in town, Varian is strolling along with Kieran, telling him all that happened when Rudiger comes bounding up. As Varian lifts him with glee, Feldspar approaches to tell him, nice job with the rocks, and that Rapunzel says he's a real hero. In the castle, Rapunzel and Eugene are on their balcony, where Rapunzel has just explained that the red rocks were Cass's doing. He is shocked that Cass would attack Corona, but Rapunzel explains that she wasn't attacking Corona, she was just afraid. She tells him how she could sense Cass through the rocks and that there's still a chance to save her. The two hold hands, gazing at the sea, very reminiscent of the movie, when Ariana and Frederick first open the doors and they find Rapunzel and Eugene standing on the balcony holding hands and looking out, and that is the end of the episode. Yay. Yay. And then we go into the cheerful tune that probably was not appropriate for the end of that episode. I love how we like turned that into a meme and now since we just keep doing it. Right. So guys go with back. So guys, that is the season three first bomb all the way up through Be Very Afraid. That is our fifth podcast in two weeks and so we're gonna go on break too we're so glad that you joined us for all of this and we are grateful for all of your encouragement and maybe i will have a voice tomorrow and maybe i won't we'll see <laughs> and we love you guys and thanks for sticking with us with us and we will let you know when the next one comes out like we always do especially if you're you know subscribed to us and it's kind of obvious um but thanks for joining us once again and we will talk to you later bye, bye.